Hello and welcome to your Chapo. It's uh, just me and Felix today, but we have a very special guest um, in the stew, in the trap that, you know, I think you guys have been really excited about. A lot of people have been asking me, is it true? Is it real? Yes, it is. Please welcome former president of Iran, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. I mean, yeah, this is crazy being in the trap with you. How are you doing, Mahmoud? Uh, very, very well, thank you. Wow. I did not expect your voice to sound like that. Your Twitter account is so epic. Yeah. For the win. Yeah. I just always wondered what it would be like if there was like a self care bot <laughs> that sort of is like tweeted in like semi broken English. It's fucking epic. <laughs> it's an epic account. Um, Why, man, that account, I'm like, I'm going against the grain here, but that account fucking sucks. I mean, whoever's doing it is, I'm sorry, Mr. President. <laughs> yeah, don't insult sucks. our guests. Don't, don't insult your our guests. Your interns, like, I know it's not you. You're not doing any of your classic shit. Like, come on. I mean, Why I are you trying to fit in when you're born to stand out? Mr. I don't have President. to be here right now. I can go. You know, I can just leave. Like, I've got, I've got tweets to do. I've got, right, I've got right. to remind I, well, people I do to drink their talk, water. talk to you about, like, how you, like, you became very fluent in English with, like, a different accent and even voice. And I, <laughs> I do want to ask you about that. Uh, no, but seriously, though, like, why do you deny the Holocaust? <laughs> <laughs> I love the, I do love the people who are, like, him tweeting at Virgil. They're like, why don't you ask him about the bad stuff? And it's like, dude, yeah, this is definitely going to be frosty. That's what he's going to say. Yeah. You're right. I'm wrong. Yeah, you got me. This 65-year-old religious fundamentalist, he's just, when... Virgil, Texas, or the podcast account. It's like, stop doing that stuff. He's going to be like, oh, yeah, you got me. Well, we have, we have got him to stop doing that stuff. And in yeah, fact, he's not have, president anymore. Thanks he's not president us. anymore. He's not president of Iran anymore. Thank you. And we've replaced him with other special guests. And one of our favorite guests, for the first time in person, it's Libby Watson. Hello. Yes. Hello. It's Libby. It's not. It's not the former president of Iran. No, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm really Psych. sorry. I'm not the president yeah. of Iran. But um, uh, it's great to have you here. And um, let's get into it right now with a bit of breaking news. Michael Cohen, you know, sentenced today for his many crimes against humanity at the Hague. He's going to hang for treason against Donald Trump. And this is actually um, he was able to uh, read a statement. Uh, before the judge, I'm looking right now at the uh, the sort of, you know, the court sketch artist rendering of Michael Cohen. Oh, yeah. I saw that. And this is one of the first times in which, like, it really does look like the person that here. Let's just just take a look at. Oh, it's so at, good. Let's look at sad Michael Cohen. I actually thought that was Manafort when I first saw <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it does look like Manafort. I mean, they all do kind of look similar, mm. but. So this Didn't is. Didn't know a- we were going to get racist that quick, <laughs> but okay. Um, I mean, he looks. You know, the man has expressive eyes. That's how I know Michael Cohen's a good person is because he has like deep, expressive eyes. You know, it's like I look into him. And I'm like, oh, my God, your eyes either light up my world or dim the entire room, homie. <laughs> your smile lights up the world around you. It's just like I feel you're like- a star and you don't even know it. <laughs> it's like it's like going for a swim in a lake at night. You know, it's just dark and deep and sensual. Naked. But uh, so he was given the opportunity, you know, as as he is afforded rights in our criminal justice system, uh, opportunity to make a statement uh, before his sentencing. And he uh, this is in, in his own words, Michael Cohen today in court. Thank you, Your Honor. I stand before Your Honor, humbly and painfully aware that we are here today for one reason, because of my actions that I pled guilty to on August 21st and as well on November 29th. 
I take full responsibility for each act that I pled guilty to, to the personal ones, to me and those involving the President of the United States of America. Okay. Victor Frankl, in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, he wrote, there are forces beyond your control that can take away everything you possess except one thing, your freedom to choose how you will respond to the situation. You're, so he's starting off by quoting Victor, Victor Frankl. Your Honor, this may seem hard to believe, but today is one of the most meaningful days of my life. The irony is today is the day I am gaining my freedom back as you sit at the bench and you contemplate my fate. I have been living in a personal and mental incarceration ever since that faithful day that I accepted the offer to work for a famous real estate mogul whose business acumen I truly admired. In fact, I know there is little to be admired. I want to be clear. I blame myself for the conduct which has brought me here today. And it was my own weakness and blind loyalty to this man that led me to choose a path of darkness over light. Oh my God. That's what Victor Frankl was talking about in Man's Search for Meaning. It wasn't, he was like, yeah, this Holocaust shit sucks. <laughs> but I'm thinking more about, I'm looking towards the future. What if one stupid man in Manhattan was led astray by another dumb guy? You know, what would that... He was talking to people who were dying from being forced to drink salt water and starving to death. And he's like, can you stop complaining? I First of all, you need meaning. And the only type of meaning is when your, fr- your friend who dresses like a clown, literally like a clown, your friend who wears like his jackets are patterned after Italian restaurant tablecloth, just waltzes out and his only job is to give $150,000 to like the guy who runs the National Enquirer to bury a story about you putting on tidy whities and chasing a woman around the room like Beetle <laughs> Bailey's boss did. And that's meaning. That's man's search for meaning. And you do it. You're the man. You the man, Michael. That's what he said. Those are his last words. It is for these reasons I choose to participate in the illicit act of the president rather than to listen to my own inner voice, which should have warned me that the campaign, viola- campaign finance violations that I later pled guilty to were insidious. Recently, the president tweeted a statement calling me weak, and he was correct, but for a much different reason than he was implying. (laughs) It was because time and again, I felt it was my duty to cover up his dirty deeds rather than listen to my own inner voice and moral compass. My weakness can be characterized as a blind loyalty to Donald Trump, and I was weak for not having the strength to question and to refuse his demands. I have already spent years living in a personal and mental incarceration. He's repeated that phrase now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which no matter what is decided today, owning this mistake will free me to be once more the person I really am. That's, I mean, you know, the saddest thing about this is Michael Cohen missed his calling as a poet. I'm an an ADX Florence of the mind. (laughs) Uh, Damn, I I hate the real me. (laughs) I also stand before my children. And especially my beautiful, hot, smoke show daughter. No, he doesn't actually say that. But it goes on like that for a while. And I just love that he had to turn in there like, look, yes, I was hypnotized by this man, this powerful man, this Fengali-like figure who like, you know, held me in his sway. But it was because I genuinely was impressed with his business acumen. Yeah, it's a very interesting, like, rhetorical move to be like, Yes, I was weak. Yes, I was a huge piece of shit. But actually, by saying that I'm weak and a huge piece of shit, that makes me good. It's like, yes, I was wrong to like take off my trousers at the Dunkin' Donuts and like put my bum on all of the on the tables. But now that I'm saying that that was wrong, 
that actually kind of makes me a hero. So, but I think he's right, and like, not only should he not get prison time, he should get a special like good boy reward. The court should <laughs> give him money. The opposite of restitution. They should pay restitution to Michael Cohn and let him start his new life. Yeah, let's get him like a gift card to the Cheesecake Factory or something. I think that would be nice. I, I'm just like getting inside Michael Cohn's mind because he is like. He never expected even to, like, stop making money off this. Right. He never expected to go to prison. But, he, you know, he's probably a little heartbroken. But he, in his, like, little fucking schemer, wormy mind, he's probably thinking, oh, this could just be the next Wolf of Wall Street. When I get out, <laughs> like, I'm just going to make this in a movie. It's so cool and sexy. Yeah. When I just uh, accidentally double wrote checks to another stupid old guy on behest of another stupid old guy. It's so hot. It's fucking exciting. Well, uh, we wish Michael Cohen the best, um, but obviously he shouldn't go to jail um, because we're Michael Cohen prison abolitionists. Just for him personally, mm-hmm. he's he's a beautiful soul, and it should not be crushed by by prison. No. Yeah, well, I mean, who knows? Maybe Michael Cohen will write the American Gulag Archipelago. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, Christmas wishes. Like I said, Amazon gift card. Mm-hmm. I'm going out and I'm finding the fattest Christmas goose, and I'm buying it for Michael Cohen and his family. I love slipping in one piece of goose. Over the course of six weeks in visits to a federal prison. <laughs> I'm bringing him a Christmas goose with a file inside it. <laughs> and I'm going to be dressed as a sexy lady. I'm going to be dressed as Stormy Daniels. And I'm going to seduce the warden. All the all the Trump guy prison stuff is so funny. Because Michael Cohen just literally, or Michael Flynn, sorry, like just ratted on everyone. And everyone's like, see, he's an honorable soul. That really was funny when all the all the Q people who like, you know, love him and think he's a hero. And all the, the MAGA people were like, when they released the uh, like uh, witness A was provided substantial cooperation. Uh, and, and then it was like no prison. And they were all like. Sir, thank you, sir, for your honorable service. I'm so glad to see you are exonerated. Our long, our long national nightmare is over. How many are there left that like haven't flipped at this point? Like they're all, they're all flipping. It's great. Is Manafort? Is he? Is I he feel still, like is he's still be, a soldier. I feel like it's going to be like every single person flips, including Donald Trump, and no one tells Don Jr. I was going to say and he's, he just he somehow gets like a triple life sentence <laughs> yeah. for like emailing a Russian guy. Oh my god, that's the best outcome. Just everyone, everyone does like thirty months max. Don, Donald Trump, like his punishment is like, sir, you're no longer president. You have to stay in Trump Tower, and you can only read like. E news online. He's like, oh no, <laughs> you're on the most punishing house arrest. Yeah, and it's just his life. But Don Junior's like, hell no! It, if no one's talking, I'm not talking. Just everyone's giving each other up. <laughs> Don Junior's just locked up forever. Did you? Fucking, He's like, damn. Guess I was wrong. Did you fucking see Don Junior on Fox News like saying happy birthday to his dad? That no. was the saddest shit. He said, well, there were two things. One thing was like an interview where he said that. Uh, Trump would like re-gift him things because they have the same initials that have been monogrammed for him. So you'd give him hand-me-down monogrammed shirts. Yeah. So like, which are but like for Donald Trump's shirt size, they're like would probably be a blouse. On, yeah. Uh, oh Don my Jr. god, that's the saddest. The image. baggiest. Yeah, like down to his <laughs> knees. He's like standing in front of the mirror. It really is like you know one of those cute things where like a child wears yeah. his dad's dress shirt. But he's or forty. Something. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but he's with you know. He's with Kimberly Gargoyle, and she's like, "You you look great." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's he's a very sad boy. 
if he like gets arrested, do you think like Kimberly Garfoyle or Gar- Garfield or whatever, <laughs> don't know how to say it, will like facetune his mugshot? <laughs> <laughs> They're the most facetuning couple yeah, in the they world. Okay, the only one who's only more, the only greater facetune icon is Callista Gingrich. Yeah, yeah, she's a god at it. God. <laughs> she's looking like an airbrush t-shirt <laughs> all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, damn, are you being memorialized at a barbecue? <laughs> I respect it. Uh, moving on, I mean, you know, moving on from uh, the local news, uh, we have uh, we have Libby, you know, in the stew. So I can't pass up this opportunity to ask you, Libby, what the ruddy heck is going on in England? What with the EU and Brexit, isn't it? <sighs> and and the damn Tory party. Yeah. Like seriously, like was there something momentous today? Is Theresa May finally going to get um, tossed in the lorry? Uh. <laughs> Doesn't even make sense. Um, no, not yet. Uh, the prison lorry, the one, the, prison, the truck that's going to prison. The prison lorry that takes you to the to the the banger or whatever we call it. Um, yeah, no, not exactly. There was uh, so there was a no confidence motion filed against her. They had to get forty eight Tory MPs to sign a letter saying that she should go. And then last night they got that, so they had the vote today. But she won. Uh, she lost like 117 Tory MPs and won 200. So she won it handily, but it's also like a high enough number that it's clearly not good. Um, it's also a high enough number that indicates the re- the whole reason for this is uh, Brexit and like the fact that she doesn't seem to be able to get the votes for her Brexit deal that she negotiated. So if she lost 117 Tory MPs and a no-confidence motion, that's a pretty good indication that they would also reject her Brexit deal. It seems like there isn't currently a path for her to win a vote on the Brexit deal, um, which, you know, if she if she loses that vote, she's got to go. Um, I keep hearing from people like, you know, British Twitter and like particularly the sort of British liberals, you know, the Guardian readers that are like uh, so obsessed with Brexit. They keep saying that like, we don't have to do Brexit. Like there's some like magical out or something that like, right. if we all just say, Hey, that never happened or let's do the vote again or something like there's some hope that they can manage to stave off actually doing a Brexit. Right. Well, so I think there are a couple of paths. Um, so for the last couple of years, I too have thought that the, the sort of guardian crowd who uh, constantly talked about having another, re- another referendum or whatever were kind of like, just participating in wishful thinking basically but seeing it so basically the eu has said that like this is the deal and there is no other deal and it's you know we're leaving in march so there really wouldn't be time to negotiate another deal anyway so at this point it's like if this deal doesn't work then our two scenarios are uh, a no deal brexit which would be a fucking disaster like like planes falling out of the sky like blood running out of the taps kind of thing um or to what they could do is instead of they could they could hold another another referendum but like man that would be a fucking nightmare too so the other thing they could do is repeal article 50 and article 50 is the thing that uh like triggered the, this is just like the process that triggered um britain leaving the eu so basically they can just kick the can down the road again and be like we voted for brexit but repealing the thing that would actually do brexit basically more importantly for Theresa May's government, though, who in her inner circle keeps telling her to try to be uh, human-like? 
I don't fucking know. I mean, like, okay, like that thing where she comes out to the speech. And she's oh, and like she does the, the big ro- arms. The yeah, yeah. And the, she gives, does the big arms. No, I mean, she is like, if you've seen the thick of it, the most Nicola Murray person. And, and, I've yeah. ever and then getting seen. locked in the car. Yeah, she's, she's always she's doing the shit. Greatest. She's the. Remember when this saw like she just has a gift. Like yeah. when she was speaking, uh, it was during the campaign, during the general election in 2017, when she was like making a big speech and just the sign behind her started falling, falling down slowly slowly <laughs> oh, falling down so yeah good. yeah it was great um yeah i don't know man i mean like jim messina i don't think is involved anymore um so we can't we can't blame him like i i really like can't imagine who is left on team Teresa anymore because like she i mean she's amazing to me like politically she has been in such a precarious position for so long and she just fucking hangs on like just Got, she's got her fucking claws in and she just hangs on every single time i i mean i think this is pretty much the end of the road for her like at some point soon like i think she's my ideal scenario for her end would be like general election is called corbyn defeats her you know she's gotta leave the country um we all we all wave as she leaves um, she goes to spain like every other obnoxious british person yeah or florida yeah yeah <laughs> She doesn't even become a columnist. She just becomes a Daily Mail commenter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's such a survivor, though. Yeah. It's like, yeah, obviously she's a piece of shit, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you got to admire. Like, it just, oh, for sure. She's Jax Taylor. She just hangs on against all logic. Yeah. She's just, and there's nothing about her that, like, the only people that like her, and I guess for the UK, this is numerically a sizable demographic, are people with columns. <laughs> Like, 60% of the people with columns are like, she's doing her absolute best. She just showed everyone up. Yeah. The way that she coughed and fell down. <laughs> the- I, I, saw, I saw one uh, columnist uh, saying, you know, I, I, I keep, you know, seeing Theresa May and the way she's trying to explain everything to the country. And I kept sort of feeling a sense of deja vu. Or where have I seen this before? And I realized it's the way I talk to my own little children when I when I'm trying to get them to finish their porridge, and I'm like, no, <laughs> no, num 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 now, and then it's like, no, yes, you have to eat it, you have to do your homework. She thought that was a good thing, though. Right. She was just saying, oh right, yeah, Fucking like hell. Just, yeah, she was in some other, she was another like Tory. So uh, she wants to be mummied by mummy. Yeah, she wants. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that like the the people in general right. are just like a a, a, a sort of vomitous vomitous toddler. Mm. Who they just well, we to, are. Like, to be fair, there's a lot of vomiting that goes on in British streets every night. That's like the main reason uh, there are those like uh, Sharia no-go zone yeah. alcohol drinking laws. Oh, right? that was the best bit about that f- guy's yeah. fucking Sharia column. Was that, there's like it's a quillet, one of those quillet guys. Yeah, yeah, and Andy something. Um, yeah, the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was the best thing. Is he thought that that was evidence of some kind of like special muslim law that london had passed but like it's just because we are constantly like drinking too much fucking guinness and throwing up in the streets if you've ever looked up those pictures from manchester on new year's eve oh yeah oh, those, no, are those are amazing unbelievable those are like a like a like a rembrandt painting or something like that yeah yeah it's so yeah there's um it's something i like about british culture there's no middle ground yes. it's either just the dullest shit in the world it's just like you know Jacob Rees Boog type people who <laughs> they just name their son they they name their kids like Quillette. It's yeah. literally what they name their kids. Yeah. And it just like, oh, the fucking Duchess wore the wrong brooch. What a bitch. She's always doing some shit like that. Or it's just 
there are just entire towns of people that are blackout drunk literally every day of their lives starting at age 12. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it was my uh, mates. So if uh, if if Teresa goes, if, who's waiting in the wings? Boris Johnson. Yeah, I mean this Reese is the thing. Moog. Moog? Reese 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 Mog would be amazing. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but it, I mean that would be the best thing that could happen to Corbyn if they appointed a fucking chinless alien. A guy who yeah. literally wears like a top hat. Okay, so the best Jacob Reese Mog story is when he was campaigning um, for his parliamentary seat. I think in 1997. Um, and he took his fucking nanny with him campaigning. Ball, like, what a baller! He's had it. I mean, not Wait, only has he had a as nanny. As an adult, yes, he took his nanny with him because it like. Why I, does he? Why does he still have a nanny? I mean, I imagine that his family has retained the nanny since, <laughs> but he took it with him. And the quote that he gave to the papers about it was, "If it, if she was a valet, you would think it was perfectly normal." <laughs> this fucking guy, dude. That that rules. Yeah. Like, I saw some like trad people be like. Oh, Jeremy Corbyn's fucked when Jay when it's Jacob Rees Mogg. <laughs> really? Stupid, absolute stupid king. globalist bitch, Theresa May. No, Jacob Rees Mogg is cool. He's fucking pimp. He's an alpha. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, he reminds me of the most alpha man ever, the rich guy from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> this fucking Western destiny. What a baller. Yeah, he's, he's like this man who's like six one and ninety eight pounds. Yeah. And just like named all his kids after Opus Day blood rituals. Fucking pimp, my man. Yeah, he's like everything that sucked about David Cameron, but like not even alpha enough to fuck a pig. Yeah, yeah, David Cameron was cool too. He hung out with Bono. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who does? Yeah, uh, who do, who does who does Jacob hang out with? I don't know. No one cool. There aren't a lot of cool Catholic singers, you know. <laughs> yeah, Sinead O'Connor. She just converted to Islam because of. Uh, Theresa May's government uh, it mandates that a certain amount of people in the UK have to convert to Islam. It's pretty crazy. It's part of the Brexit deal. It's pretty nuts. Yeah, I, one from every family. Well, no, that was part of the EU. That's why yeah. they did uh, Brexit. That's yeah, why we did yeah, Brexit. Theresa yeah. May is trying to keep England in the Islam pact. <laughs> she wants to keep England in the caliphate. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's like the whole point of leaving the EU is to leave the caliphate. It's annoying, actually. Luby, I wonder if you if you want to hear about heard about this this. Uh, UK government funded like posting warfare against Jeremy Corbyn. Oh, like correct the record. <laughs> What's that? Like correct the record. No, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. Uh, it's a secret Scottish based office led InfoWars attack on Labour and Jeremy Hell, Corbyn. Yes. So it says a secret UK government funded InfoWars unit based. And when they say InfoWars, that just means posting. Yeah, I was going to say, that's what just, is that? Like, that's a posting laboratory. A British Alex Jones? It's like all the people who do like script exploits to like. DDS the Taliban website and are like, yeah, I'm a deep level gray hat hacker. Uh, the, yeah, it's an InfoWars unit based in Scotland, which sent out social media posts attacking Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party. On the surface, the cryptically named Institute for Statecraft is a small charity <laughs> operating from an old Victorian God. mill in Fife. Oh, Just think about that shit up. The, 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 so they're, running a, they're running an Infowars unit called Statecraft out of an old Victorian mill in Fife. I wonder if these guys like Doctor Who. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> fucking lame, dude. Yeah, they like just take down the Doctor Who fan club poster and put up the Institute <laughs> yeah, of poster. Yeah, we've learned how to type. Uh, Corbin is an anti-Semite and Gallifreyan. Uh, <laughs> I'll take god. more money, please, British government. It just, it just so like it, it's like they literally pick the stuff and imagery that would make them seem like cool and evil. Like they're like, oh, we're the bad guys in Black Mirror in a Black Mirror story, but it's like. 
it just I know I should be madder about it. It's like the government's trying to uh upend the only uh viable left candidate in the in, in their politics, but it's also like it's just so lame. I'm just mad at knowing about this. It's <laughs> yeah, just so I agree. Like, you fucking virgin. I don't want to hear mean, about it. Ooh, it's yeah. the Institute for Statecraft. It says, whoa, dude, that's like that's like some fucking... Use, I, I just thought you were a bunch of nerds who made posts about how J- Jeremy Corbyn met with the IRA or something that are later debunked by even people that hate him. Wait, uh, that was debunked? He didn't meet with the IRA? Because I, I, don't, I, I don't support him anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. the case. Yeah. Uh, like if he didn't lay a wreath on all those Black September guys' grave, then he actually you're out. ran into Reagan on his way to lay a wreath on the tomb of the SS. <laughs> and oh. Corbin, Corbin was going to do that because he's anti-Semitic. But then he saw Reagan did that, and he's like, "Well, I'm too pro-communist to lay <laughs> the same wreath." It says Ronald here, Reagan. Uh, the think tank is supposed to counter Russian online propaganda by forming clusters of friendly journalists and key influencers throughout Europe who use social media to hit back against disinformation. This sounds so, so much like, like a British J- influencer. They get like a British Jake Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel Paul. <laughs> yeah, Nigel Paul. But our investigation has found worrying evidence that the shadowy program's official Twitter account has been used to attack Corbyn, the Labor Party, and their officials. One tweet quotes a newspaper article calling Corbyn a useful idiot that goes on to state his open, visceral anti-Westernism helped the Kremlin cause as surely as if he had been secretly peddling peddling Westminster tittle-tattle for money. Could you imagine putting Westminster tittle-tattle in the uh, the pumpkin patch? That would make me so mad. I mean, there are just no one can find out the secrets of the UK Parliament. Like if, you know, if it was public information that they're like 75 percent rich pedophiles, that would totally change everything. It's not like stuff that everyone knows and just no one cares. I mean, yeah, I think you're right. On one level, it is a little uh, uh, weird and undemocratic that the UK government would be funding this weird like post anti Corbyn against half of itself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's a leader of one of the major political parties. Yeah. The government itself. I mean. Again, shouldn't surprise anyone uh, if he ever does become prime minister. I guess you'll probably see what MI5 really gets paid to do. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Well, it would be funny if, like, they but, just like, this fail does... every assassination and it just, like, like Castro. We, yeah. We, but they're like, all right, it's time for the, we didn't want to resort to this. We're going to pay our call, like, our top colonists, fucking uh, Joseph Ruxpin, <laughs> Craig, Craig, Craig Marmalade. <laughs> Joanna Scrumps Grug. The guy who looks like Robert Blake from Lost Highway. 30,000 people who are just obsessed with trans people and started just being (laughs) virulently transphobic at 45 for no reason. They're just, dude, they're going to come down like a hammer. Yes, half our country is columnists. Yes, they all suck shit. That's like, no, yeah, that's the greatest info war of all time. But that's uh, that's like, they have the same strategy for the info war that like the Red Army had. Just pick up everybody. Dude, just, just get every always advance. No retreat. Always advance. And no every, retreat. Everyone in this country just, is technically a soldier. It's just like uh, like like uh, the colonists. They're each given one laptop, and as one falls, then the one behind them has yeah. to pick up the laptop and yeah. keep writing a post. We will actually keep writing. Yeah, we will IP ban you if you delete a post. We, we have never to, delete. Have, never retreat. This is just we're opening up every front of this warfare. The Spectator, the Telegraph, the Guardian, the the Mail, the Record, uh, the the Crier, the Town Crier, yeah. who, who rings a bell yeah. next to the pig slot. <laughs> I uh, well, like they're easily you know easily winning the info war in the you know mirror or whatever. All the magazine, all the newspapers that are just like who 
you know, Jeremy Corbyn's secret meeting with the Prime Minister of Islam. <laughs> Turn to page three for look to look at the best knockers of the week. <laughs> uh, but you know, the Battle of the Guardian that's going to be like the Stalingrad info war because it just uh, the Guardian they got some pro Corbyn people and they got uh, you know guys who are like I'm a, literally a communist, but I'm going to vote for uh, conservative next one around. <laughs> and as you look up, they've just always supported Tories, always, and then like. Just the transphobes. And it's like, you know, who's going to get them? That's Stalingrad. That's the greatest info war in the UK and of all time. But uh, Libby, I mean, uh, you might have some insight into this. And it's just like, genuinely, I am impressed at just how much worse British media and politics Twitter is than American media and politics Twitter, which is really saying something. So what do you think it is about the UK that it's just like, it's just even more enervating and ridiculous and stupid in England? That's a good question because, like, in general, British politics is obviously just, like, placed to the left of where American politics Mm -hmm. is. Like, you know, Jeremy Corbyn is far to the left of, like, Bernie Sanders, for example. But we just have this, like, massive contingent of centrist fucks. I mean, I think probably there's, you know, obviously the American media is far too, uh, you know, it's full of people who went to Ivies, you know, like rich white elites and stuff. But in Britain, I mean, like, it's it's serious. You know, like, the number of people that went to fucking Oxbridge and, you know, they all know each other from them. And, like, you know, when we... <laughs> like, American elites are one thing, but British elites are, like, literally the fucking aristocracy. Like, it's a whole mm. nother level. So, yeah, I mean, I guess there's an elitism thing there, too. And also just, like, our media is just not diverse. Like, if you look at, again, the American media, like... There are, you know, there is such a thing as digital media, you know, in as rough a shape as it is. Mm-hmm. There is a digital media and there are like left outlets. But in the UK, they're just like, I mean, I often think like, okay, if I went back to the UK, where would I work? Well, there's The Guardian. And then that's the end of the fucking list because there's nowhere where you can be if you're even a little bit to the left. Like, oh, maybe I'll go work at the fucking Telegraph. Like, no, there's, there are basically no options if you're a lefty at you all. Could, you could write for The Spectator. And yes. he takes like uh, Ava Braun, still hot. Yeah, <laughs> she, 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 she's the gal every guy wants to be with. Like a spectator literally ran that that piece. Like, why don't we talk about the real heroes of D Day, the Wehrmacht who are fucking defending Yeah, that tacky guy, uh, George Tacky, George Takai. Yeah, George, George Takai. Oh, yeah, the, tacky, the right. Star Wars guy. Yeah, yeah. it's really weird. He <laughs> that was really like, fucked he, up recently. He was just like, yeah. He, he was like, hmm, those Hugo Boss uniforms. Oh, my. Zig hell. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, I like the Spectator, the Times, and the Financial Times, because there's good reporting in all of them. And then you turn to opinion, and it's like, let's reevaluate the Irish. It's so good. It's it's like a type of conservatism you don't get in America. It's like, yeah, it's like you, you go overseas, and you have, like, Southeast Asian uh, heroin. Just so much more powerful. <laughs> Our conservative right, like you go to red state and it's like, you know, I won the tater tot primary at my Christmas dinner because <laughs> like it's just some boring slice of life bullshit about how some fat guy went to his like blue state sisters Thanksgiving and she made like a soy kale casserole and he made like a mayo and tater tot one and it's just dull and it's like you know, well I'm raising my sons to be like Brett Kavanaugh. Just boring. <laughs> Uh, but the UK, the UK conservatives are just so like, uh, yeah, 
they, why I'll kill myself before I ever eat a halal meal. Yeah. <laughs> like, whoa! It's like, it is, it is a right, and it is our honor, and it is our civilization that we be allowed to shoot Cocker Spaniels out of windows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was the one I read? There was, one I read <laughs> there was one I read where it was like, I will never bow down to the multiculturalist and use olive oil. I'll use butter <laughs> on every dish. It's like I mean, so honestly, fucking, same, but yeah. <laughs> so fucking powerful. It's there, just like compared to Eric Erickson's things where yeah. he's like... He also will know. use butter on every dish. He'll just actually... He'll use all of it. Yeah, no, he'll just <laughs> will only eat butter. He's yeah. like, I don't want the dish. Just give me the butter. Like right. Homer when he yeah. wraps the waffle around the butter <laughs> stick. That's yeah. Eric Erickson. Yeah, it's like every British conservative is like actually an atheist but goes to some interminable Church of England yeah. thing out of some like weird loyalty to Henry VIII. <laughs> it just... They're like, you know for how we make fun of our guys because they're like, Oh, I'm I'm eating Chick Fil A every meal and Barilla pasta and 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 all of that. Well, their guys just like they're they don't have any fun just to spite people ever. No, their fun is like I said when they like put uh, <laughs> put a, a bunch of like dogs in a catapult and then yeah. shoot them into the air and, and then blast them with shotguns and then uh, accidentally uh, shoot their cousin slash lover with the same shotgun. It's the best country on earth. It's the be- because it's like just insanely racist reactionaries who are like loyal to just like just a bunch of Germans that married into being in charge. <laughs> just a bunch of weird krauts. Yeah. And they're like, I will literally never have any fun except for when I'm murdering dogs. <laughs> Fuck you. Well, it's but- funny that you mentioned the Irish because um, there was a story this week about how a senior Tory complained about the Irish because like one of the Brexit issues is the Irish border and stuff. And he, Literally said the Irish should really know their place, and I was like, "Fuck you, yeah. the man! <laughs> Fuck yeah! Let's bring this Dude, back." That's so cool. I know, I loved it. Dude, let's let's restart the troubles, man. Yeah. Let's let's go. Yeah. What a country. What a co- people get so mad when I'm like, the UK is about as stupid as America, and they're like. No, we're not. No, it's oh, considerably dude. dumber. Yeah. Yeah. I think a little well, bit I don't know, dumber. but like, I don't know. I mean, well, like, you guys do have, yeah, you Corbin guys do have an actual NHS, and your leftist viable Finale. candidate isn't just like a New Deal Democrat who's largely the same as his counterparts in foreign policy. You guys do a few things better. Also, you don't have to pot bay, uh, pay for UFC pay per views over there. They're just on a special channel. I mean, actually, I think like genuinely, like we're being hard on 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 England, but I think no, the I truth the truth is though that like because it it does have a more durable history of actual like a Labour Party and like a real Labour Party and socialism uh, that's more much deeper ingrained than it is in America, and also mm-hmm. just class consciousness in general. It has to be countered. Eat all the more strenuously by like a twenty four seven nonstop barrage of just hideous propaganda. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. being written by like the Peter O'Toole's character from the ruling class. Like why we need to bring back the gallows in Trafalgar Square or some bullshit like that. Yeah. I mean, like I think the Reese Mogg thing is actually very instructive because like he's one of these people who has become famous and I wouldn't say popular, but like he's become a figure because the, the press find him very charming and funny, and it's exactly the same fucking thing that happened with Boris Johnson. Like, Boris Johnson was like a nobody fucking Tory MP in, like, the early 2000s. And then he went on Have I Got News For You, which is like a satire, like, panel show. We fucking love panel shows. Yeah, that's every... Every show on in the UK passes an hour is called like Newsmates, and it's like <laughs> three balding men coughing about Brexit. It sucks. No, but like, and then, but then like, and then celebs too, like David Mitchell and fucking you know, uh, Hugh and Lo- Fry and Laurie, Stephen Fry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have to. Yeah, I mean, there are. 
I have to admit, I do, I do quite like some of the panel shows. But <laughs> one of the things that you know they need to answer for is fucking making Boris Johnson a celebrity because he had funny hair and he had a very posh voice, okay. and it was all very amusing. We, yeah, well, yeah, about- he, was, he was like your epic conservative. He was like yeah, a exactly. Ron Swanson guy. Yeah, and now and then like yeah, then they just thrust him into power, and it's like, oh my god, he called the. I, who could have foreseen him calling the prime minister of Malaysia the N word? <laughs> Like I don't know, like literally anyone. You mentioned about how uh, Theresa May is like to a T, Nicola Murray, Mm -hmm. even down to like Mm -hmm. the signage accidents and like weird Mm -hmm. robotic attempts to be. uh, She can't walk. Like the senator. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Did you see the video though of Boris Johnson in in Lisbon in Portugal trying to do like a like a take about yeah. like that was the most um, the Tory guy, uh, Peter. Oh, Peter Mannion. Yeah, Peter Mannion. He's like a cross between Mannion and Swain for sure. Um, but like when he just keeps saying things, he's like, "But even uh, James Bond, the character oh. James Bond, was born in Lisbon." And then like you see the guy off screen be like, "No, no, no, no." The 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 idea, uh, you know, was born in Lisbon. Uh, yeah, Ian, <laughs> Ian Fleming got the idea for James Bond in Lisbon. He was like. Well, you can't just give me the memo and then yep. change it on me. <laughs> and then there was another one where he was on the train with his fucking like your like EU advisor or whatever, and he kept like trying to show off how clever he was when she was just trying to be like, no, okay, this is what you need to say. And he kept like trying to speak in French and stuff. <laughs> and it's just like, like, buddy, like, no one gives a shit. Like, just listen to your fucking advisors. Yeah, it was pure thick of it. Hi, folks. Boris Johnson, Foreign Secretary. I'm here in Lisbon, in Portugal, to celebrate what is the oldest alliance and friendship in diplomatic history, going back to 1386, going forward through the Napoleonic Wars, through to the Second World War, when, of course, this was a a place that uh, was... uh, I think what what happened in the Second World War? What what do we do in the Second World War? It was was neutral, wasn't it? The Azores. What do we do in the Azores? Hi folks, I'm Boris Johnson, I'm the Foreign Secretary, I'm here in Lisbon. Portugal is our fourth biggest trading partner. Trading partner, we are, we are Portugal's fourth largest. Portugal is not our fourth largest. Hi folks, Boris Johnson, I'm here in Lisbon. James Bond himself was said to have been born in Estoril. And today... James Bond... Well, um, that's uh, that's British politics in a nutshell. And we didn't even talk about the mace. Oh, yeah. I object to the mace. Everyone kept asking me, oh, Libby, what's the mace about? I don't No one has fucking heard of the mace. No one knows what the mace is. It's not like you have to like touch the mace when you're in primary school or whatever. Like, you know, you know, the mace is not introduced to you in any way. It's just like <laughs> part of parliament. But I, uh, I want to ask you about uh, moving from uh, British uh, media and politics to uh, the American media of which you're, you know, a, a member. Hmm. At Splinter News, hmm. I wanted to. I want to ask you about a, a piece you did this week and some of the reaction to it. Uh, you wrote a piece called uh, "Access Journalism Must Die." Could you talk about um, who you were responding to in this piece and like the argument they were advancing in favor of "quote unquote" access journalism? Yeah. Um, so Elena Plot at the Atlantic, um, she was previously a Buckley Fellow at the National Review. Are uh, letting women on that sailboat now? <laughs> wow. Well, he's been dead for quite some time. Oh, now. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. He never allowed yeah. was alive. Um, and she wrote a piece. Uh, it was it was a strange piece because it was kind of it was a praise of um, 
what that, what's the name of that fucking book? Oh, um, uh, it's it's a book about uh, the what's it George like? W. Bush. Yeah, uh, uh, what it Bush. takes. What it takes. Richard right. Ben Kramer's What It Takes, which right. is like a, a considered like a seminal like piece of campaign uh, nonfiction yeah, yeah. journal reporting or journalism. Yeah, and it was it was praise of that, but also a defense of uh, you know what she describes as access journalism and. She says basically that, you know, without access journalism, for example, we wouldn't know that George H.W. Bush, you know, like called his grandkids and like wrote thank you notes and stuff. And- yeah, here's here's the quote from uh, Elena Plott. She says, in the days since Bush's death on November 30th, his family, friends and the reporters who covered him have told their stories about the times they saw Bush do what any man might do. write Thank you notes. Remember birthdays. Bond with grandkids. Each story is a way for its teller to reflect in Ways people don't typically do now with respect to politicians, on Bush's humanity, on how fortunate they felt for that bit of privilege. I glimpsed, this is in italics, I glimpsed what lay behind the veneer. And what I love about that is like for reporters covering someone like George H.W. Bush, the things like the thank you notes, uh, you know, birthdays with grandkids and things like that, you know, the idea that that there's something that like, that is beyond the veneer and not the veneer itself. Exactly. You know, like for, we're talking about, we've been talking about wasps for a while on this show. Like that kind of shit, like that, that's all they are is just a veneer. There's mm-hmm. nothing behind it. Yep. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it, it did make a kind of uh, a similar mistake to what Ross Douthat did in saying, you know, like, you know, this is something that we miss and this is something that yeah. we would like to see more of. And it's just like, no one else gives a shit. Like the only people who, care a lot about these kind of like like you know that like you say the veneer the act that politicians put on and these little details that are completely removed from their policies are people whom the policies do not affect in any way like i <laughs> i do not give a shit you know if ted cruz loves his daughter or you know if he doesn't he doesn't no yeah. and she definitely doesn't love him um you know or like you know what kind of fucking socks they wear or you know whether they're embarrassed about things or if hillary clinton carries hot sauce in a purse or whatever like that shit means nothing to me but like when we like when they say act like access journalism like in the positive connotation like what elena plot thinks is that like you know someone like uh, richard ben kramer was given access to mm-hmm. George H.W. Bush and like his sort of, you know, intimate moments uh, that, you know, or other would otherwise be like less presented or by stagecraft and like in return, what, like he like doesn't talk about all the children he eats or (laughs) no, no, but like, you know, reporters have to play this game where in order to gain access to the White House or powerful people, they're expected to publish like anonymous takes, basically to act as a conduit through which these people launder the things they want to be in the press. Right. 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 Well, of course, you know what she did and what people often do when they want to defend something indefensible is she defined it in a way that no one else defines it. So she defined access journalism as basically like doing a profile of someone, you know, like going along with them on, you know, like the, actually the main example she gives in the piece is, uh, George HW Bush being like embarrassed that he couldn't throw the fucking ball at the, the fucking baseball game. Uh, which is something that was on television that we know about because it was on television and there's a fucking photo of it in the article. Um, but you know what access journalism actually is, um, like you say, is it is, it, you know, it could be, you know, trading, you know, nice coverage for, um, you know, like scoops or whatever, you know, um, or it could be, you know, like I say in the piece, it could be a lot of the people that practice it, they don't even have to promise that stuff because the their subjects know that they're not going to write anything 
you know. Um, and and a lot of the the there's a, a sort of a, a negative reaction to your piece from a lot of like Washington D.C. reporters who seem to interpret it like, oh, if I'm just at a party and there happens to be politicians there, I suppose you think that's wrong or something like that. And it's like because they they must understand on some certain level that like this whole like world and their professional and social lives are so you know infused with this kind of thing that you know if they did see like you know someone step on their own dick in public like mm-hmm. maybe they wouldn't write an article about it or you know like or an untoward comment or something like that yep. or um the uh, eyes wide shut party <laughs> they're not going to talk about that right. they're not going to tell you about the chanting and the masks yes exactly yeah I and mean, that's the thing is they're all compromised and it's funny because i had such a similar reaction when i wrote the piece about the tommy gun churchill fucking Dinner society or whatever. Oh right. Well, that was that was different because that was written out of jealousy. We should go. You thought it was epic, and we all did. Yep. The reaction to that piece was just people mad that they didn't get to go. Mm-hmm. This is different. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it was the same people saying like, you know, what you don't understand is that this is just how journalism works, and you know, obviously, you you know, you're not, you know, you people have off the record lunches all the time and stuff like that. And I also think that is bad. Um. You know, and <laughs> never said that that was good too, but. It was the same kind of thing, you know, this like knowing kind of smirking like, oh, honey, you know, because you're not a real journalist. You're only a splinter. You know, you don't know that this is how the game is played. Like, this is how we this is how we do it. And like, you know, this assumption that I guess because (laughs) because they're doing it, then they're doing it well. And that, you know, they feel very confident that they're not compromising their, their morals or whatever. But like you say, these people obviously know shit that they don't tell us about like you know if they saw fucking you know Stephen Miller like grope someone at a party or whatever I don't have any confidence that a lot of these people would report that because you know it's like it's not fair game you know if it was at a party or if it was at the fucking Tommy Gun society dinners or whatever it's off the record you know so if Ryan Zinke goes to one of those and it's like oh by the way I did all the crimes just so you know <laughs> it's like well you know that's off the record so but like how does someone like you know Maggie Haberman uh, operate because she's always like the, for the defenders of this, like what valuable information do they think that they're actually getting for the public? What's an example of like a big important scoop that was like that really like you know uh, you know broke news or something like that that was gotten through these means of just being nice to people? Right. Well, this is the thing. Is like you know I also recently wrote about Jonathan Swan and he is like the you know the avatar of like access journalism under Trump. Well that was the thing where like you know they're like we got this scoop that he's yep. going to end the 14th amendment and yeah. what it amounted to was putting him on TV to say something in, like insanely wild that he probably doesn't even have the authority to do. Not at all. And, and just didn't by the way we it. haven't heard anything about that we haven't since heard, then. Yeah exactly. Yeah. Like it's, it was forgotten a week later that yeah. he just went on national TV and was like yeah I have the authority to like unilaterally like end birthright citizenship. Yeah, yeah I mean that's why yeah uh Access journalism is especially worth worthless now because it's just like the at the your payoff is like a thought Donald Trump will have for forty five seconds. <laughs> It'll be like, all right, I just had to publish publish this you know puff piece about what a nice guy John Kelly is, and oh, I had geez. to do that you know this and that, but I got this, I got it. Donald Trump says that he wants to bring back the Concorde jet. <laughs> And then it just like Trump literally forgets about it by the time it comes out. And if you ask him about it, he'll be like, I've never said that. Literally never said that. Well, to him, he's never said that. Right, exactly. It's completely gone. Fucking meaningless. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, like, that's the thing with Jonathan Swan is that he gets these scoops. But they are primarily, like, often things that would have been released anyway. He is just the conduit through which they're released. And because he's the one who gets it, he gets to feel like a good special little boy. Um Another thing, like during the week of the 
the uh, like mail bombings. Um, when, oh yeah, remember remember when that happened? Remember that? Yeah. No, I actually don't. I literally don't yeah. even remember when it was. I don't remember <laughs> yeah. how many were there were. I don't remember the guy's name. Anything. Um, but during I think that, it's week, time to pardon that guy. <laughs> he's done. His We've time. already forgotten. Yeah. It's done. Um, no, during that week, he published a piece that was like. An exclusive statement from uh, fucking Don Jr.'s ex-wife Vanessa Trump uh, about how hard it was when they got sent some white oh, powder. Uh, in the yeah, mail. yeah, yeah. And it was nothing. It was just like it was like a tiny paragraph about and how it, hard it was for them. And it was a scoop for him. He gets scoop to write the piece, but yeah, like functionally, he gets the exclusive. But functionally, what that piece was was an attempt to like at a time when. Critic, prominent critics of his dad, the president, are getting fucking pipe bombs mailed yeah. to them. He just gets farts out that you know just squeezes out that little loaf of just been like yeah it's been really tough for me and my wife too right yo i had a near-death experience <laughs> someone mailed us some sugar a yeah. couple of years ago it was really hard don kept trying to eat it <laughs> yeah but i mean this is the thing it's like i think for people like swan the scoop is the scoop is everything and they don't have any kind of moral or even ideological like underpinning to what they do you know like i think Ideally, we would have a lot of people who are journalists because they want to, you know, um, comfort the afflicted and inflict the comfortable and that kind of shit. But for him, it's just as long as he gets a scoop, it doesn't matter why the person is talking to him. It doesn't matter who he's going to hurt in the process. It doesn't matter if he is shown to be like an absolute fucking giggling idiot on TV, getting excited about a birthright citizenship amendment and saying, oh, I'm very clever. It you know that that shit doesn't matter as long as he gets the scoop and you get fucking media people across you know many different outlets praising him for that they're like oh well everyone would love a Jonathan Swan in their newsroom yeah and like uh, the other thing that Elena Plot in her piece was like really insistent on was that like this is important because the title of the piece is uh, when presidents were were, were people. And the idea like this, she's really concerned that like... Now they're beavers, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> we've gotten away, you know, because of, you know, Trump and everything and all tribalism, that's their favorite word, and we're so divided now. This idea that like, oh, we've like, uh, we need to humanize our politicians and see them as humans. And I'm like, no, we don't. We need to way, in America especially, we need to way, way, way more dehumanize our politicians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, oh, man, I forgot who it was. It was... Uh, one of those people who like you know quote tweets the thing where it's like Ted Cruz is subpoenaing Google or something and then quote tweets it and goes it's lit like one of those <laughs> types of people you guys know uh, what I me. mean yeah that was me <laughs> this is me all it's fucking funny to do that it's a rap thing and then you put it in the news that's a win but uh, it was during uh, the first Obamacare repeal attempt where she's like I'm seeing a lot of vitriol. Let me tell you about the people in Congress. And it's like the fucking, you know, Joe clan member brings his dog some days. You know, fucking fucking Craig Craig Big Pharma, you know, he has a daughter that he talks to sometimes. And it's like, (laughs) shut the fuck up. Jesus. It's like, yeah, if anything, we have way too much of that. Like people's default position is they just hate this uh, collapsed mono congress just this idea of like the the clowns in congress but they like if they know any if they're at all involved they usually just like their shitty congressman because he he got their district money to like make a new playground that his idiot brother-in-law built that ends up decapitating a kid (laughs) or something they build the goon island zip line but uh yeah just no one the unfortunately the only people who ever get really mad at their uh congress people are just cranks 
the it's mail the bomb mail guy. bomber yeah. guy. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. the mail bomber guy. It's the guy you talk to and he's like, oh, yeah, I hate my congressman. And you're like, oh, why? Well, yeah, it's because of the telecom thing or like he voted for the, you know, the against the pre-existing conditions. Like, no, it's just he's working with the Jews to read my <laughs> thoughts. He, they're extracting my semen from the water supply. Uh, they've created several illegitimate kids for me. It's really fucked up. And it's like, oh, okay. All right, man. Yeah. Just I most mean- people don't hate any of these people individually nearly enough i agree and like i just don't fucking see what's relevant about you know what these people are like as individuals and as a journalist you should actively work to stop them from trying to you know trying to sell you by telling you these little like personalizing tidbits which are not relevant at all and something she says in the piece is like you know without these personal things we don't know whether politicians are worthy of empathy or respect and it's like yeah, you do. You know if they're worthy of respect if they are like doing the good policies and refusing <laughs> farmer money and like yeah. doing any shit that is relevant if you don't see politics as just like another fucking Yale country club dinner. And and you mentioned that uh, Elena Plot was of course, you know, a Buckley fellow and you know, she writes in the Atlantic but like, you know, is I'm sure deeply conservative in her politics and then most of the people who got mad at you know your your article. We're also we're also on the right, mm-hmm. and I think that's telling because it's like whether it's like the centrist moderate people, which let's be honest are on the right, and then the people who we normally call the right, which are just you know in the fucking funny farm. <laughs> like this shit serves their interests only. Like they have a, they have they have more than a vested interest in this, not just because they know these people personally, but because it benefits them politically. If this is how uh, you know what we think of journalism is conducted. Yeah, I mean, it's very telling that we're having this conversation like under Trump now. And like, I don't know if she would have written the same piece under Obama. Like, what I mean, what is she really prescribing here? Like, is she saying we need more pieces about what kind of fucking psychopath Donald Trump is? Like, we need more pieces about his Diet Cokes and his McDonald's orders and stuff. Because she actually attributes, uh, you know, the problems in the country. She says, you know, there's too much partisanship and that's because we don't have access journalism telling us about what kind of people politicians are. And it's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you fucking weirdo. Like, and exactly, like, if you put, like, all every congressperson together, my guess is they all have pretty similar lives in yeah. that, you know, the majority of them probably have kids. The majority of them probably even like their kids. Maybe even the majority of them are good parents to their kids, if yeah. you can imagine that. But at the end of the day, they're doing things. And, and like you said, that is how you judge a, whether a politician is immoral or worthy of respect. And the vast majority of them are not because they're all awful. Right. And they, they do and sell really awful things. Right. And this is frankly, I think, something that Britain does do a little bit better than America is we do generally fucking loathe our politicians. Like, I mean, we had, there were parties in the street when Margaret Thatcher died. Like, can you imagine that happening even for, maybe for Trump? But no, even I mean, for- like, we keep, uh, you know, I, I keep having to, I mean, just impishly, like every time a major politician dies, um, just be incredibly rude because, like, I just can't stand for this idea that everyone yeah. feels the same way or that we're all in such deep mourning. That, you know, George H.W. Bush or John McCain died at, like, the ancient age of, like, they didn't die in a fucking plane crash or oh, something. Course, they yeah. weren't, like... Uh, no, George Bush was 200 years old. <laughs> yeah, like... I think, I, just going back to the thing about, like, there is this lionization of, like, Congress people who get stuff done. Like, that determines whether they're a good person or not. Mm-hmm. It is just, it's psycho-productivity culture. Yeah. Just this, uh, I saw a lot of, like, glowing articles about this guy, Mark Wayne Mullins. Which is that? Is, uh, he's an Indiana Congress congressman, and he's a 
he put forth like sort of like an Ali Act for MMA. The Ali Act was a it was a law uh, separating boxing promoters from managers. They couldn't be the same person because it was a way to fuck fighters. And it was a good bill, but it doesn't really address the labor issues of fighting. But anyway, uh, given that his name is Mark Wayne, you know, <laughs> he's a white congressman from Indiana. What do you think his politics are? <laughs> but yeah, there's this glowing article about how he does the some fucking workout with everyone else in Congress and it, but it's like, yeah, no, the give me just a corrupt guy who shows up, doesn't propose a bill and just votes right most of the time over that psycho. But no, we just uh, we have the same psycho Protestant work ethic, productivity, culture, bullshit eh, with everything, especially in our politics. My other favorite bit of uh, Washington Babylon from uh, this week was uh, someone found out that uh, the Center for American Progress gave... <laughs> The American oh, Enterprise God. Institute, $200,000 to basically, as best I can understand it, collaborate with them on two freshman in college level research papers on authoritarianism and populism. I love Cap, man. Yeah. Cap is like, Cap is the guy who says big things coming and nothing ever materializes. <laughs> this was the big thing. Uh, guys, it only cost half a million dollars, but here we here you have it: two essays that wouldn't even pass a class at Dartmouth. Great work. They're like literally giving money to Charles Murray because but, guess what? They're both concerned about populism, and they think they both believe they populism are. is authoritarian. You know, the, you know the best part about it too is like, oh, uh, you look pretty stupid for yelling at us because this is you know we're fighting. We're fighting the rise of populism. It's like, yeah, you guys are doing a great job. <laughs> Look at the world. It's going great. Bolsonaro lost. Uh, no, the far right is <laughs> on the rise. Macron anywhere. has a 90% approval rating. Yeah, you France. guys are kicking ass. Well, I forgot the AIE. You know, they're just tacitly or just openly supporting Bolsonaro, depending on which member you ask. But, you know, still great work, great effort. I like, I almost, I'm so anti calling people's bosses, but I almost want to call the Emir of Qatar. <laughs> Be like, right, did you do, come on. You know what, you guys are funding him. Yeah, this is just, like, not even out of politics. Just be like, you guys are wasting your money. Uh, you could no. be literally doing anything else with this. You're not getting shit for this. <laughs> this sucks. No, those two papers, though, stopped authoritarianism from happening. It did. It did. Bolsonaro stepped down <laughs> after that. Pretty this cool. This is the thing about, like, DC nonprofit and think tank culture is that, like, no one expects them to get results. Like, that can't be your, you know, your, like, measure of success because there are so many factors and so many things that, like, prevent change from happening or whatever. So, like... I don't think donors really look at think tanks and nonprofits and are like, okay, well, did you get the bill passed or whatever? Because that would be too hard. So what these like nonprofits and think tanks end up doing, and I have experience of this, is like doing stuff to – they get money from donors and then they spend the money that they got from the donors on doing stuff to impress the donors. And it's just like the most pointless, unproductive cycle you could possibly have. And, you know – even putting aside all of the like corruption and all of the like literally like paying for studies that we know about because the New York Times reported on it from Brookings and I think AEI actually, yeah. um, you know, putting aside all of that, it's just a waste of fucking time. It's just like floors and floors of people sitting around like on Twitter, you know, playing fucking free cell, you know, because like there's no expectation that any of this is going to mean anything. You know, this it's not the, they're not like you know 
I mean, these are these are tax exempt organizations. You know, these are supposed to be like, you know, improving society in some way. And some, sometimes they release like good policy papers about good policies. But the majority of what they are doing is just it is like make work, like you say. It's like yeah, you know, it's just a jobs giant, program. Like, yeah, jobs program. And yeah. it's like it's just like they're they're all. We've used this uh, reference before on the show, but it, it is like when they go to the Duff Brewery and it's like Duff Dry, Duff Light, and Duff, and it's all the. It's just a pipe going from some weird Gulf state, <laughs> going into Washington into a big pot, and then they all just like they pay it forward. Yeah, they're all just paying each other, like they like AEI and the Center for the American American Pro- AEI might as well be called like the Center for American Going Backwards, Going Back in Time. Yeah. And <laughs> no, there's no way that you know, in a sensible world, there's no way that that partnership should happen. And you know, like, aren't their goals diametrically opposed? They're supposed to, one to be. Like, I mean, they're supposed to be, but they're clearly not because their goal is to, I don't know, perpetuate the same fucking you know think tank donor pleasing. Well, it, no, I mean, I, I'm gonna argue for the, it was important for them to link up to fight authoritarianism. You know, they it's like Goku and Vegeta teaming up. But if Goku and Vegeta, like, they couldn't fly or shoot, like, energy blasts or really do anything but just write shitty essays that no one <laughs> reads and give jobs to people's shitty but ambitious uh, nephews and nieces. You know, if Goku and Vegeta were that and also they never stopped anyone. It's just, like, uh, uh, two guys, uh, like, two lanyards just staring at each other and just, like, leveling up and just going, ah! <laughs> well... AIE between cap, it's like one's leveling up their Xanax and one's leveling up their heart medication. <laughs> well, here's one final indication of where this is all going practically in terms of this new Congress when they are seated in January. Uh, this is from uh, Politico this week. The united front that helped Democrats save Obamacare just a year ago is falling apart over single-payer health care. Deep-pocketed hospital insurance and other lobbies are plotting to crush progressives' hope of expanding the government's role in health care once they take control of the House. The private sector interests, backed in some case by key Obama administration and Hillary Clinton campaign alumni, are now focused on beating back another prospective health care overhaul, including plans that would allow people under 65 to buy into Medicare. So, I mean, this is all you need to know. The Johns and the, the Hillary people are now being enlisted in an effort to rat fuck Medicare for like as a big part of like a lot of the Democrats who came into Congress, you know, now ran on single pair. Now we're going to see what think tanks and these people, what their jobs really are, which is to stop that from happening. Oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like it's going to be very clarifying. I think, I mean, the thing is, is like cap has already come out in favor of this like Medicare extra thing, which is not, Medicare for all. Oh, the Andy Slavitt thing. The, yes, oh, exactly. Yeah. Thing. Actually, speaking of Cap, when I tweeted about that article, um, that guy Topher, Topher Spyro the Dragon. Um, Spyro, yeah. Oh, I love he, his games. He replied to me and he said, I've never heard of any of these so-called key Obama people. And, I mean, that's just bullshit. Like, I mean, I don't know whether he personally has heard of them because I can't get inside his fucking adult brain, but like, that, I mean, obviously, that's an extremely disingenuous thing to say because they were high profile. I mean, they were high up in the administration and they were the people mentioned in the article were key Obama, HHS and Clinton campaign people. But this is their thing is like they're not ever going to say, like, we think Medicare for all goes too far or is a bad idea or whatever. Yeah. It's going to be this whole bad faith fucking needling. Around yeah, the exactly. It's just like the the distance from your like desired policy outcome and like the reality is always like this ever vanishing horizon where it's just like you're always like you know negotiating against some like you know hypothetical outcome 
that like that really just establishes that nothing will ever happen. Yeah. You know, and like this is what they're paid to do. They're paid to argue with people about like, oh, no, no, we really do support Medicare for all as they work overtime to basically undermine any legislative effort to pass a single like pass a Medicare for all bill. Right. So the big nonprofit to watch in the next couple of years is going to be this thing that I can't remember exactly what the name is because it's so stupid in so many words, but it's like the partnership for America's healthcare future or something. And yeah, anything that long, you know, it's good. Yeah. I've already fucking, my eyes are glazed over by the last word, but like, uh, it's a a coalition of, uh, insurance companies and pharma and just like all of the most hospitals, like all of the bad actors in the healthcare system who currently profit off healthcare. Um, they have formed this group and I think you should watch out uh, just because someone isn't actually working with or in that group doesn't mean that they're not going to be working towards the same ends. You know, if you are faced with, I mean, pharma is going to pour so much. They have almost unlimited money to pour into this. And if Medicare for all actually starts to be a threat to them, they are going to pour in so much money because it would, you know, like the amount that they currently make is so vast. I mean, yeah, what- fentanyl is doing stupid numbers. <laughs> got the trap house going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Where are the killing Pablo guys when you actually need them? <laughs> uh, the real Los Pepes. Yeah. Uh, it's going to get ugly as shit. And the unfortunate thing is there are a lot of people who are happy to work on spec for all this shit. Uh, but... <laughs> We'll see. Maybe maybe Medicare Extra, Medicare Plus, Medicare One Up, Medicare One Medicare X, bonus. Medicare bonus 2.0, whatever. Maybe Medi- it's really Medi- Medicare maybe, loot crate. Yeah, maybe it's really good. Maybe, you know, we're just re- rejecting it out of hand. Maybe it's great. Who do, who am I to say that all these geniuses, uh just uh Andy Andy, Slather, Tover Spyro <sighs> the Dragon, all those guys, maybe they just came up with a real fucking humdinger. So, you know, I'm 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 open ears. I just do want to point out the like the the final irony here is that Cap as like the official Democratic Party think tank that's like, yeah, we're we're for progress. We all know who's behind them and we know that like they're also working overtime to prevent anyone like Bernie from Sanders from like getting any traction whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like they they're there to deal with him because he's sort of like outside their sphere. And the main tack that they take against him is not that like they're like they don't actually believe in Medicare for all. It's that they, you know, Bernie Sanders hasn't reached out to enough, like, you know, African American church ladies. Like, that's basically their argument. I mean, even if that's the case that Sanders does have work to do there, like, their main argument against him is the identitarian one. While they're literally giving almost half a million dollars to Charles Murray, the fucking IQ race yeah, scientist. Yeah, I mean, like, like I, I mean, come on. It's like, again, even the fucking new labor people are more direct than that. I, just, I cannot stand these fucking people. They're such fucking slugs. And they just for what? What do you have to show in your life that is worthwhile for all this, everything you've done? If you could, if they could go up to somebody who can't afford surgery uh, and never will under their fucking plan, whose life is just an unending series of wage slavery and humiliation and just having to ask everyone just so they can live another day, they go up to them and show, well, you know, I did all this. I took all this money from Bill Frist. I made a website that, you know, whoever, who, who, whoever's on it, you know, that Andy Richter thing from a few months ago that went nowhere. Uh, I, I went high, went low. 
I did every single rat fucking thing without outright saying this is bad. But look, I did it so my my you know my kid could get what a spoken word poetry degree so that you could buy a Subaru. What worthless lives <laughs> people in politics are just fucking worthless. Just the wretched of the earth. Just <laughs> nothing. This is what you did Dude, they, it for. You did it for this NPR listener existence. At least the AE AIE guys they have like. Uh, fucking opus day they have orgies yeah you guys are just (laughs) the most bloodless freaks ever you sold your soul for an npr tote bag just go fuck yourself just rotten you just absolutely hate to think about these people (laughs) and yeah I hope they, they have to. I hope they have to like live under the healthcare system that they're like that i hope they like they have to like have to pay more money than they can possibly afford to be able to like get out of bed in, mor- in the morning or get a, like a life-saving surgery or something that's, yeah. that's all i want them yeah. to like experience like the, the world that they're helping to create that was actually the more offensive thing to me this week was that andy slavitt guy tweeted saying you know it was like it's the open enrollment and you know sign up for um on the aca exchange and he said most people will be able to get a plan for 75 dollars and that is just fucking bullshit. Like that that number is out of nowhere. Like I could not find that anywhere. That's like the ultra bronze plan. No, no, and, Andy. Yeah, Andy Slavitt is like he's one step above being like Bill Gates said he'd give a million dollars to everyone who retweets this. Yeah, for <laughs> he's sure. just one level above that. Yeah, he that, just has the smart guy glasses. And that enrages me because they always these like these guys who are you know reluctant about Medicare for all. They always, like, I mean, the worst ones always say, like, we just want to strengthen Obamacare. They never say what they want to do to strengthen Obamacare. And they never even acknowledge that Obamacare fucking sucks. Like, I looked up the the premiums, um, you know, like, you, you can't see the premiums unless you, you know, put in all your information or whatever. But HHS has a list of um, the lowest cost plan by state. And not a single state had one that was lower than $200. Now, some people can get subsidies, so it'll be lower than that. A lot of people will be able to get healthcare for free. So if you don't have healthcare, you should go and check at least. But the idea that you can <laughs> just tell people this fucking fairy tale, that you can lie about how, you know, actually healthcare is good. You know, you remember under, like, when the Obamacare stuff was happening, they said, like, some people said it would be universal coverage or that we would get close to universal yeah. coverage. That shit drove me insane at the time. And it's just, it's disgusting. Like, I honestly, I completely hate those people more than I hate, you know, farmer or the healthcare CEOs or whatever, because, you know, they're just doing what capitalism, you know, directs them to do. They've got to make the most profit they can. That's what they do. That's what their shareholders do. And, you know, they're all going to hell. But, like, these people who just will not accept criticism of Obamacare and who will just lie to you about the state of the healthcare system, which is, you know, a constant crisis and, you know, a violent, violent thing. And like the idea that you could go on Twitter and be like, yeah, don't worry, you can get a plan for 75 bucks. And the idea of someone seeing that and thinking that and then going and looking up a plan and saying, okay, yeah, um, your plan's going to be $500 a month. Like, that is just the most evil shit. Like that's pure fucking evil. I mean, it may just be like obliviousness as well. Like, I think, sure I think he's yeah. legitimately sort of a hollow person. Yeah. I mean, they all are, but him especially. He's just. But he you knows. Look, you he look, was in look, HHS. He knows. Yeah. You look behind his eyes. You just hear the fucking wait, wait, don't tell me music. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one okay. One one final thing that I think is uh, apropos to this discussion. Did you see that uh, Ezra Klein finally came out and said, "I was wrong to trust Paul Ryan." Thanks, Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, way to go, buddy. And it's just like, 
wait a second. Like you were like, you know, calling him a wonder wonk and having him on the podcast like a couple of years ago. He didn't drastically change in then. And, you know, obviously, you know, it's easy to beat up on Ezra Klein. Very easy. So let's do it. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, this is a guy who believed politicians were humans and not reptiles. Like, how could anyone know? Look at Paul Ryan's like career and the things he's actually done in government and been like, yeah, I believe this guy is like a serious wonk who's about getting real about like balancing the budget or anything like that. Yeah. How uh, could anyone believe anyone in the Republican Party or conservative movement actually gives a shit about like lowering the deficit? For sure. And also waiting until the last possible moment that it could matter. It is like three weeks before he's, gonna, he's going home. Yeah. yeah. He's going to have like a fucking speaking lecture circuit gig. Now. Yeah, for sure. And it's like this is the... This is a point at which it matters not at all for you to say that unless it's just for trying to redeem yourself. Like, he realized, he, there's no way he realized this two weeks ago. Like, he probably realized this a long time ago. And if he had any fucking scruples, he would have admitted it when it might have actually mattered. You know, and like, not that it matters at all what fucking Ezra Klein says, <laughs> yeah, you know, but like, yeah. you know, let's, let's like, you know, go along with the pretense that what any of these people say matters. Like, if he wanted to convince his other fucking wonk friends that, like, actually Paul Ryan is bad, like, could have done it at a time when it might have fucking meant something. And now he's just, he's leaving Congress. Like, oh, oh, really? Now? Now is the time you tell us that? Well, thanks, Ezra. Thanks. That's really helpful. It's like, the, yeah, the, <laughs> the, the music man has already left town, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> Speaking, I mean, to close out the discussion on hollow people, maybe he's just the most hollow man in existence. He's just, like, he's just a fucking... What what are those? What are those? Um, you you smash them. They're the orange and chocolate candies. The Terry's chocolate orange. Yeah, he's just the he's the shell of that. Thing. <laughs> he's just the foil. <laughs> you smash Ezra and maybe like I don't know, uh, like a fucking promo code for a Zenny optical cart comes out. Just not you're just nothing. Well, nobody. Of- you're a fucking just a a, a grasshopper shell that they shed. Just a, lo- lo- a locust shell that a dog picks up and chews and spits out. <laughs> Speaking of smashing Ezra Klein, did you see the uh, the thing about? I always think about this whenever I wonder, like, just yeah, what is uh, echoing around inside of him? And is the thing about how him and his wife was a New York Times business reporter? Created, well, I'd love cre- to be on the fly of the wall. Those conversations <laughs> create, sound really brainy. It created a, uh, a a cap and trade program for their like weekly meals for meat. So oh, it was like we can off. have meat, but like they created uh, their Jesus own. Jesus Christ! Like, like, and it's just like that's why when he, Ezra wrote that thing about the Obamacare website, he was like, "This is great." He was like, "I can't. Uh, this is fun." Searching for like oh, the best plan God. for me. I mean, can we emancipate those poor kids? Do they have kids. Just, I, don't, I don't know. I if they, the they way, better maybe. not. If they do, so it, like just some fucking like anyone. Just give it to give it to like a flat brim hat dad. Just have him raise him playing like Call of Duty and watching Running Scared. Just the hell of living <laughs> not, in that household. Not every child has to become you, Felix. See, this yeah. is what I would rather them become me than whatever he's going to turn that kid into. That I, oh my god, the cap and trade program for me. Just buy an Impossible Burger, you fucking jack off. <laughs> I mean, this is what DC is full of. DC is full of people who make cap and trade programs for their fucking weekly sex schedule, and also have never had. You know, they don't feel any kind of real moral connection or, you know, any kind of moral urgency about policy at all. Like, it's full of wonks who, you know, might know all the acronyms and, you know, know the difference between, you know, like the different sections of the ACA or whatever, but 
they have absolute they've completely lost any kind of connection they might have had to oh actually people die because of these things like people die and people lose their homes and people go bankrupt and people don't take medicine and things like that and it's just it's it's actually quite sickening to me uh i think we should nuke the city yeah preferably while i'm in it Oh my god! I'm just imagining that household. I just, <laughs> Grim. I, I want to. It's such a lame like music video convention. But remember, like the shitty hard rock music videos from the '80s, where it would be like, "Oh, we're gonna come into this cracker's house and play rock and roll and freak them out." <laughs> I want to do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, a uh, lot of lot. Of, that was a popular conceit. Motley Crue did it. Uh, whoever, Beastie Boys. Beastie yeah, Boys. Yeah. Because it's cool. It's fucking badass. If Lil Xan came to <laughs> Lil Xan, Amber Twenty Two, Keemstar, and Phase Banks come to Ezra Klein's house and tell him about clout, and clout chasing bitches, and fake DC bitches. No, seriously, <laughs> yeah. saying that 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 Paul Ryan is like uh, like the thinking man's Republican. Yo, that shit is ch- clout chasing. Yeah, that's, that's this cloud shit is funny. Yo, this cloud shit is funny. Yo, this Vox shit is funny. I would, I would <laughs> rather be locked in that the Lil Xan podcast room for eternity than spend like a day in Ezra Klein's house. Felix, you are locked in that room. It's called, yeah. your, it's called your brain. Yeah. <laughs> this cloud shit funny. <laughs> LinkedIn well, shit. Man, I just do. I come to bedside. I just see fake bitches. <laughs> and I just see think like this is so not me. Well. uh... I think that about uh, does it for this episode. Uh, Libby Watson, thank you so much for joining us in person. I can't believe it's taken this long, but you know you're a you're a honor, you're you're Chapo affiliated for sure. Oh, thank you. It's an and, absolute treat. And most importantly, <laughs> what do you think? Of, what do you think of that boy, Marty? Marty is amazing. I He's I really can't. I mean, he is he is literally twice the size of Digby, and I love it. I love it. I'm giving him a tummy rub right now. Oh, 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 we're getting oh, a little oh. a little nibble. Oh God, he's amazing. I love him so much. He's like he's like chill Digby. He's like chill big Digby. Digby, yeah, Digby is Callista and he's Newt. <laughs> I hate that. I hate God. that so much. <laughs> All right. Well, uh Libby Watson of Splinter News, once again, thank you so much for joining us. And we will talk to you again soon. Bye. Shorty only want my clout. Why they always got a doubt? Shorty only want my clout. Why they always got a doubt? Pretty girl, she dressed in pink. Pretty girl, she follow me. Pretty girl, I think she lead. Pretty girl, she follow yeah, yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah.